Hello loves and welcome back to Your Hero's Quest. The power of words and what we say, speak, and think is definitely a hot topic that is all across the spiritual community. But have you ever truly thought about what words actually are and the immense power behind them and how they affect your reality? Words, words, words the very basis on which I am delivering this message to you today, the foundation of language and the vehicle for feelings, thoughts, and emotions. Where true power lies, for they have the power to declare love or hate, togetherness or separateness, past regrets or beautiful visions of the future, gossip or gratitude, truth or lies. Words are the foundation of existence and are the means to weave together and structure our very reality. They transform our thoughts to the tangible. They convey what's in our hearts. They can create or they can destroy. With endless words to choose from, we get the choice of how we piece them together and how we use them daily to create what we see in our reality. Words are so powerful that they actually create worlds. And this is seen in multiple mythologies. So if they create worlds, then do they also create our personal world? We're going to explore all of this in today's episode. When you hear we speak our reality into existence, this is definitely a concept that I think is like, okay, yeah, we totally speak our reality into existence. But what is the science behind that? Where does that come from? The proof really is in the myths. And we can look at our very own creation myth that has shaped our Western society. And when I speak about things from the Bible, it's not from a religious perspective, but from a perspective of research of myth. So in the very first verses of the Bible in the Genesis, which of course means the coming into being of something, the beginning, the creation, God says, in the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep. While a wind from God swept over the waters, the wind of God also means the spirit of God. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And it continues on. And God said, let there be a dome. And God said, and God said, and God said. So God is speaking the genesis of the world into creation. As soon as he speaks it, it is. Later on in the Gospel of John, we have that most famous uh, quote, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The word is not separate from God, the ultimate creator in this myth. All things came into being through him and without him, not one thing came into being. If he is the word, then all things are coming into being through words. The ancient Mayans have a creation myth in which two gods join their thoughts together to create the world. And of course, words make up our thoughts. So the two are intrinsically linked. And in the Aboriginal creation myth, in the Aborigines of Australia, they have what they call dreamtime stories. And the dreamtime is a time before time and outside of time where the ancestral spirits resided who brought creation to the earth. So one of these creation myths involves the didgeridoo 
which is that super long hollowed instrument that produces a really primal, beautiful sound. A spirit man sings the world into existence. All land, animals, and beings are breathed into form through the didgeridoo. I hope I'm saying that right. These ancestors, mighty spirits created everything and it encompasses the past, present, and the future. The didgeridoo is the world's oldest instrument and it is said to have been invented by the gods. So they're using sound, music, which is the basis of words, vibration, to create the entire world. Next, we're turning to Tolkien's Legendarium, Lord of the Rings, Middle Earth. The whole creation story behind that universe also involves song, music, and words. Eru Iluvatar was basically God, the all-being, the highest creator spirit. Ea was the universe. Ea was first spoken by Iluvatar, bringing it into being. He commanded, let it be, and so it was. He creates the Ainur, who are these angelic beings from the timeless halls, and Iluvatar teaches them music upon their creation. Through this music, he uses the Ainur as co-creators for the world, Arda. All of them are given the task of creating a melody. Woven together, this creates the great song. And he shows the Ainur a vision that the song they've created will manifest physically into a material reality that codes the whole template of the whole history beginning to end of this world that will exist inside of time. So that's how Middle Earth was created. Are we catching a theme here? Another story I thought I'd mention was from this fantasy series that I read a long time ago called Symphony of Ages and the main character Rhapsody was a singer and a namer and in this world it's a very magical ability that she has. She can only speak the truth and when she speaks or sings she describes the very nature or essence of a person or thing. Through her naming ability, she accidentally renames one of these characters she comes in contact with, which changes his identity. So now let's look at the etymology of the word, word. It's kind of funny to try to describe a thing with its own self. The old English meaning of word is promise. And in old French, it means the word of God, a part of speech that expresses action or being. It also means to speak. In Sanskrit, it means command or vow. In Greek, it means an agreement or covenant. In others, it means call, name, or summon. And the contemporary definition is a sound or combination of sounds or its representation in writing or printing that symbolizes and communicates a meaning. So at the very basis of a word is, of course, a sound. But you can see that through these other meanings, this sound carries a very great weight. It's not just something you're saying, but it's actually what you're calling into being. It's a command, it's a vow, a covenant, an agreement. 
So if words are sound, they're producing a vibration. And at the core of everything is a vibration. Everything's vibrating at a different frequency. So our words then have frequency. So obviously music is vibration and we measure that vibration or frequency in hertz. Each note is vibrating at a different frequency and has a different hertz. You can tune an instrument to different hertzes. Prior to 1917, music was tuned to 432 hertz. That was Verdi's A. The reason composers were drawn to 432 hertz is because it naturally resonates with nature and the earth's own resonance and frequency. So when you listen to music tuned at 432, it's extremely calming and beautiful to the ear because it resonates with us. In the early 1900s, they changed the standard to tune to 440 hertz. At 440, there's a lot of conspiracies about this, and I'm not going to cover it here, but apparently has the ability to cause depression, anger, mind control, and does not resonate with our body. And unfortunately, all music is tuned to that today. You can look on YouTube and find people that play the same clip on like guitar or violin tuned to each different one, and you'll actually be able to feel the difference. So again, this is coming down to the deep, deep, deep importance of vibration in our life and how we need to be watching what we take in vibrationally because it can either cause upset in our body and disease or healing, beauty, and harmony. An experiment that really highlights this idea was Dr. Masaru Emoto's water experiment. And he was this brilliant Japanese doctor who took samples of water and exposed them to different vibrations, different words, then froze the water to look at the crystals and the crystalline structure that was formed from the water receiving these different vibrations. He used phrases like, I love you, or I'm so grateful, mixed with phrases like, you're a fool, you disgust me. Of course, as you may imagine, the crystalline structure that was exposed to the beautiful words, phrases, and intentions made these gorgeous snowflake-looking structures, and those exposed to the negative words and thoughts created really ugly pictures. So if our body is composed of 70% water. What kind of effect do vibrations have on us? Obviously, a lot. Dr. Emoto not only was speaking the intentions, but then he did an experiment where he even pasted words onto these jars of water. And the same effect happened. So not only do our spoken words have this power, but also the written word carries the same vibration. Something we can all get in the habit of doing is blessing our food and our drinks, our water, whatever it is we consume before eating or drinking it. And of course, in like the Christian tradition and in many religious traditions, people say a prayer before eating. I think this has kind of gotten lost a little bit, but that must be the origin of that because we can raise the vibration of our food to its highest level. An example could be, Thank you so much for this food and for nourishing my body in the best way. That old adage, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me, is such a lie, isn't it? Because words actually are the most powerful thing. 
They're our vehicle to express feelings. Words are feelings. This is why we have to be such critical stewards of our thoughts and every single thing that we say. I've been witness to so many people say just casually and in passing, and of course myself as well, things like, I'm broke. I'll never find anyone. I hate X, Y, or Z about myself. I look fat today. I'm not a good learner. It's almost to the point where we need to be annoying with ourselves and catch yourself when you think or say something that you do not desire. And once you get into the habit and pattern of this, you'll start to truly rewire the way that you think and speak and your reality will reflect. And of course, this also goes for what we say to others because our vibration is affecting the world around us. These vibrations are recorded in the subconscious mind and start to go on autopilot and get stuck in there as a belief that we start living by. This is why it's so important to look at the things we were told as children when you think about your limiting beliefs where did that story come from? It came from a story that was spoken to you. The example always comes up about money, but many of us were told, you know, money doesn't grow on trees. You have to work hard for money. That's why we use affirmations to rewire our brain, like money comes to me easily and effortlessly. I am abundant. My bank account is constantly growing. You know, there's affirmations for truly anything. The reason they're so powerful is because you're speaking the reality that you desire. It is also especially important to watch whatever you say after I am, because whatever goes after that, you become. So you get to choose. In Dr. Emoto's experiment, he also showed that polluted and toxic water could be brought back to its original form through thought and words. So we have the immense power in our thoughts and words to affect healing within our bodies. We get to either cause disease with our words or fix disease. Emotions like anger and jealousy and resentment and all of that are words and thoughts that we're telling ourselves. And that is why prayer is so powerful because it's an intention that is made manifest through vibration. Our intention comes into being through our words, through our thoughts. And our thoughts lead to words, which lead to actions, which lead to habits, which lead to character, which leads to our destiny. And let's not forget the famous word or incantation that we associate with magic and spellcasting, abracadabra. This word actually means I will create as I speak, or I create like the word. So abracadabra on our own life, right? The word spelling actually means spellcasting. So what spells are you casting through what you're saying? Okay, so words equal feelings, right? A way to know this is when you read poetry that invokes a deep feeling that resonates with you. Here's an example from this lovely book, The Poetry Pharmacy. I wish I could show you when you are lonely or in darkness, the astonishing light of your own being. That is only four lines, very simple, but it has so much meaning and depth, right? So something that really struck me when I read the book 1984, which is not an uplifting read, let me tell you, was that the party, which is this like big brother, crazy government that controls every single person, creates this new language called Newspeak 
by deleting words, thousands of words they're constantly deleting. And by doing this, they delete feelings. They delete thoughts. It narrows and reduces the ability to think, and it narrows the range of consciousness. Their goal is to have only one way to think. By deleting words, that makes it possible. If there's no way in language to express a feeling, how can you feel it? But I think this is why there's so many synonyms. There's so many different words for a particular feeling, but they're slightly nuanced. They may mean the same thing overall, but they're honing in on a little bit of a variation of a feeling. The word awe versus rapture, right? In contrast to 1984 deleting words, we have Shakespeare who invented words, and he invented a ton of words, like over 500, I think, that we use in our daily language today. And um, some of them I thought that were interesting, addiction, auspicious, barefaced, bedroom, cheap, downstairs, fashionable, glow, informal, majestic, transcendence, useless, and vulnerable. So it's not that he invented feelings, but he invented a way to express them. And it's funny because some of my Spanish friends would tell me that there are certain things that are like untranslatable into English because we don't have a word for it. I remember one example was if you're dating someone, you're not quite boyfriend, girlfriend yet. You haven't said like, I love you yet, but there's a way to express that like in between relationship that we just simply don't have in English. As I was doing research for this episode, I was curious about where language came from. Like where did words even come from? Because there are so many words uh, and synonyms and just seemingly endless possibilities of how to speak and how to express our feelings and our thoughts. And historians actually only have theories on where language originated from. No one knows. So I say it must have come from the gods or God, whichever God you believe in, from the divine, from source. It was gifted to us as humans. So really all of this to say, no pun intended, we can sing into existence the life that we desire. We can sing into existence our perfect health, our perfect partner, our perfect job, our beautiful home, our endless abundance and wealth, our limitless potential. We simply just need to make sure that what we're putting after I am is what we desire to become. Okay, so now let's grab a card from the Hero's Journey Dream Oracle for a message from the guides on our quest. Okay, we got be the bridge, expand your consciousness to behold both worlds. Be the bridge. Well, we are certainly the bridge between our thoughts and our reality. But let's see what this says. It may feel that no one understands you or what you've gone through, but remember the higher self in everyone you interact with is rooting for your awakening. But will you stay awake or be lulled into sleepiness? You can't unsee the glory that you've seen. You can't unfeel the radiance that you felt. You can't unlearn the higher truths now encoded within your soul. Though you may feel like a stranger in a strange land, it is up to you to stay alert and turn awakened moments into minutes, hours, days, and a way of life. 
This is how you become a bridge from the special world to the ordinary world, so that as many people as want to can cross over. Mantra, all that I've learned forms a bridge from earth to heaven and back again. Wow. Definitely just being aware of all the things we've learned and being a beacon for other people to awaken to the truth of reality, the truth of their own light is one of the most amazing things that we can do on the journey. So if this resonated with you, if it served as a good reminder for things that you totally already know, um, or if it just sparked your interest on going deeper into words, their etymology, and just the meaning of it all, I would love to hear from you. So drop a comment, like, and subscribe. And as always, thank you so much for tuning in and I'll see you in the next episode. Much love.